The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us uh, on the eve of Thanksgiving. We hope you're having a happy, I guess, get ready for the holiday period. We figured it was important to have a podcast uh, prior to the holiday based on the Tuesday 8 p.m. deadline to set your roster, add guys who are Rule 5 eligible. The race added five, and who better to talk about what went on than senior VP and GM Eric Neander. So, Eric, let's start with the decision on C.J. Crone. Why now um, is a question I got a lot on Twitter. Uh, why not wait until... Uh, let's say you made uh, another edition of of Major League Caliber. Yeah, it's it's a good question, one we've spent a lot of time on, uh, not just over the last week, but over the last several months. And once, you know, some of the left-handed hitters that um, that cracked our Major League roster down the stretch, from Jimin Choi to, to to Brandon Lau, that had an impact on the opportunity for for CJ as a right-handed hitter. And and looking forward, you know, the the role itself with those guys in play and. Uh, was was not as great as I think where it was earlier in the season. And because of that, felt that um, it was best now to, to move forward, um, in part to uh, clarify things on our end and, um, you know, to, uh, to allow us to keep another player on the roster instead of CJ and to get him the chance to um, see if there's a better situation out there uh, for him and for his career as soon as possible um, and feel like it gives – Along with that, as it plays out, um, to the extent that there's an opportunity for, for him to come back here, it also provides the best chance uh, for that possibility and time um, by getting him out there and letting him see um, what might be best for him. How much of the, I guess when I look at the market, I see a, a glut of a lot of right-handed hitters, free agency, trade. How much of that also played into this that you know, you're, you're helping CJ out, but there's a lot available out there too, potentially to upgrade? Yeah, you know, I don't know necessarily if we're you know, strictly helping them out. Um, you know, I do think that there are some some benefits to it, you know, from that side. But ultimately, you know, we have to look out for the club and what we think is best for us and, um, you know, the, the commitments that we need to make. And um, there are a lot of different ways at this point, avenues to improve our club um, that, where we could take things um, from some of the you know, the bad only type profiles that are out there to guys that have more well-rounded skill sets that can give us the, you know, the maneuverability across our roster to bounce guys around and the things that are critical to, to stay competitive over a long season. Um, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that this could go. And given the young talent we have on hand and, and some of the flexibility that we have with, with their possessional flexibility, uh, at the end of the day, um, the the number of possible ways to, to round out our roster was, was too open-ended to basically commit to this at this point. And, you know, you touched on part of that. That's certainly some sort of factor for us. And you said at the end of the season that, you know, if you, you didn't want to impact guys who, I, I guess to paraphrase, um, you didn't want to block their opportunity. But at the same time, if there is an impact guy out there, you you're going to look at that possibility. And I would assume that you know, the, in in CJ's case, you know, there are some impact guys who maybe have had longer success rates. Yeah, and um, you know, some of them are also deeper into their career, and it's very possible. You know, CJ's career plays out in a way where it's similar for him, and he, you know, his his track record is is pretty good. You know, as it stands right now, but. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a tricky balance. We want to get better, you know. We we know that, but we also want to make sure we provide the right balance of competition and opportunity to our younger players. And um, you know, this was just a situation at this point where we wanted to, you know, just to create as many lanes as possible for how we're going to put this together. And um, because of that, like I said, just felt this was the right way to go right now. 
Before you, we get to the five guys that you did add. Um, you moved or DFA'd Oliver Drake and Hobie Milner. Um, probably not a major surprise based on um, where they kind of fit in on the depth chart. And Jose Mujica, I guess, recovering from Tommy John surgery, you were able to keep him in the organization and hopefully get him back in 2020? Yeah, um, I guess going through these in reverse order, uh, in Jose's case, unfortunately for him, um, you know, needed the Tommy John surgery and the rehab. It's a lengthy process and, um, you know, was, was something that for us, you know, felt that it was uh, better to, to remove him to see if, you know, we can get him through. We did. And uh, the focus there will be on his rehab and, and putting him in the best possible position, impact us and get his career back on track in 2020. So that's that. And with respect to Hobie and Oliver, these are two guys we like. Um, one of the challenges with our roster is that we have multiple pitchers on it <laughs> that uh, are all rehabbing from Tommy John surgery and um, are going to be guys that are unable to contribute in the early going in, uh, in 2018. So it does it does make things more challenging with respect to what you can keep on roster through the winter. These are guys that um, if we are in position and we're hopeful to retain them and keep them in our organization, these are guys that to come into camp and to compete for jobs is – what we're rooting for, what we're hoping for from a selfish standpoint. That being said, if a team picks them up by trade or by claim, then obviously wish them the best. But these are guys we like and brought them in here with, um, you know, Oliver this, you know, this fall and uh, Hobie during the season to to work on some things to help them develop and ideally allow them the chance to stick as major league contributors in time. And look, uh, you may have a couple of, as you alluded to, you may have a couple of 60-day spots come March which, if a guy signs a minor league deal, he'll have the opportunity to join your major league roster immediately, which certainly is a positive, you know, as, as we look at the roster. You added five. Was it hard to add five because of what you talked about, the tightness of the roster? How, how, how tough a debate was that four versus five? Yeah, it was, it was challenging. And, you know, uh, taking it back to CJ, the, the situation with the players that we had that were eligible – you know, that became a factor, you know, and to, to carry CJ forward, um, you know, it's also coming at the expense of, you know, someone else coming off, <laughs> you know, and, and for the time being, and there's a cost to that. So uh, we feel really good, you know, the five that we, we added, um, a few of them, I think, are guys that have the opportunity and the potential to impact our team early in 2018. Um, you know, Joe McCarthy, where he is, you know, in our organizational depth chart, uh, Ian Jabot, certainly, um, and Kyle Bird, you know, those are three guys that all did, you know, uh, positive things for our Durham club last year and helping them um, win a championship. And, you know, Jesus Sanchez, a little more, you know, longer term, but as much upside as any bat we have in the system. And uh, Brock Burke, somewhere on the pitching side, really hit his gear. But those two guys are a little bit uh, further off, but uh, all, all very deserving, all guys that were easy decisions for us to add. Um, and frankly, probably a few more that we did not add that uh, we're going to be a little nervous as things play out, um, you know, deeper in the winter and with the Rule 5 here. And we'll touch on that, too. Let's go through the five. Um, you mentioned Jesus, a potential impact bat. Was he the most no-brainer of the group? Yeah, I mean, they were all pretty clear. I don't know. <laughs> Once they're obvious, you know, it's uh, how obvious, I don't I don't know. Um, but uh, certainly from an upside standpoint, um, his field to hit, the natural strength that he has, um, you know, this is a prototypical middle of the lineup type bat um you know that that we see coming so that certainly makes it easy but you know brock burke and the way he is trending you know this is a kid out of colorado that signed as a 17 year old and was young and um is starting to hit his stride here and you look at what he did in montgomery and there's a lot of things about him that 
<laughs> you know, look like a prototypical left-handed major league starting pitcher. So uh, both of those are really easy to do. And then, you know, the other guys um, also certainly profile from Kyle Bird as a lefty. They can get stretched out and uh, do a lot of different things. Jabot is a prototypical end-of-game type profile reliever. Uh, and Joe McCarthy is a, a very well-rounded skill set that uh, that has a chance to contribute to a club. So uh, was one of those the most obvious in, in Sanchi's case? He certainly deserved it, but I think all these guys were pretty clear for us. You mentioned you're going to have some nerves. The name that everyone will ask about is Kian Wong. How difficult a decision was it? How much played into all the other middle infield depth that you currently have in terms of deciding not to protect him? Yeah, the the, the depth and the collection of talent that we have certainly played you know, a, a part in, in the decision there. So uh, you, you try to gather as many uh, points of feedback and perspective as possible uh, within our organization and uh, think through the pros and cons of each of these decisions and, and what happens. And in this case, um, we, we do may remain optimistic on, on Kean's future. And, you know, you're talking about someone his age, you know, there's, there's a lot of his best baseball still ahead of him. And he has done, you know, probably as much as anybody over the last two years to, to help Durham's team you know, uh, win two championships, uh, international league championships and one national league. So, you know, how, how that goes, you know, time will tell, but, uh, certainly a player that, um, I think in a lot of situations, we're fortunate for the depth that we have and it puts us in a position to make difficult decisions and, you know, maybe somewhere else that's a little different for him in a sense, but, uh, you know, time will tell. And, um, we're, we're a big fan of his. And I think the, the thing that fans need to realize, if you put a guy on the roster, you don't want to then have that roster where you have to DFA them because then with three options, they're likely to get claimed. Whereas on the flip side, if you do put, if you don't put someone on the roster, they need to stay in the major leagues the whole year as a rule five. And your roster obviously right now is very, very tight. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a factor that, um, you know, kind of assessing with each player. There's the, the chance you think that they're going to get selected in the Rule 5, the chance that they're going to potentially stick. Um, and if you do select them, just having a sense for what are the, what's the likelihood that they're going to impact your big league club in 2019. Uh, you, you know, that, on that 40-man, you need enough guys to impact your club and um, and, and just how all that fits. And, um, yeah, those are those are the factors in play in terms of, um, you know, the best way to, to, to maximize your, your organizational depth and roster situation. And at the same time, you always want to be merit-based. You want to make sure that you don't get too caught up in the strategy of that at the expense of, you know, just prioritizing the, the best players. And that's a tricky balance and one that, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, that there are plenty of times where we've misfired and plenty of situations where we're pleased with our decisions. Speaking of your club, you guys are getting closer to at least finalizing the coaching staff with which uh, Rocco Baldelli going to the Twins and Charlie becoming the manager of the Blue Jays. Um, you had two spots. You filled one of them now uh, in Rodley Linares, who had been a long time with the Astros. Walk us through that addition. Yeah, Rodney is someone that um, you know came up through Houston system and uh, – across our search and the, the many staff internally that we involved in the process, his name was 
uh, the most recommended, you know, um, across all the, the candidates and um, for external possibilities that, that we sought out. So uh, this is somebody with, with wonderful energy um, that's, a, that's an authentic personality that prioritizes relationships and trust with the players above and beyond anything else. And, you know, when it comes to uh, helping them improve, giving them guidance, that's all secondary to making sure that relationship is as tight as possible first and foremost. So, you know, this is somebody that we think – you know, is going to, you know, with with Charlie and Rocco moving on, we lost two people that were, you know, integral parts of our, our of our clubhouse, and and this is someone we think um, can come step in and in their own way, um, you know, fill some of that void in a sense, and and bring energy, bring positivity, and to connect our group and uh, continue to make this a a, a culture that uh, we can all be proud of and one that's really enjoyable to you know our coaches and players alike. And I would guess the second staff member, you guys are close on resolving that, hopefully shortly after the holidays, before the winter meetings? Yeah, there's there's a lot that, um, you know, we're actively going through there to see um, the, the best way to round out our staff. We're fortunate that we have... You know, the staff currently on hand, it's a, it's a versatile group, it's a flexible group, it's a talented group, and, and that gives you a lot of different possibilities for how you want to configure and, uh, and, and round things out in a sense. So uh, going to keep an open mind. Um, I don't want to take a long, hard look at the people, uh, the staff members, the wonderful staff members we have in our organization um, and, and see if there's something there that, that could make sense um, to acknowledge the hard work and deserving work of our group in total. And, uh, yeah, the, the sooner we get on that, the better. Uh, we're already the Thanksgiving year, you know, late November, and want to have things solidified so everybody knows the role going into next year. Well, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck with that. And uh, obviously a, a lot to come in terms of preparation for 2019. Enjoy the holiday. Thank you very much. Uh, slightly early happy Thanksgiving here to, uh, to all our fans and listeners out there. Well, we certainly appreciate Eric Neander being on our podcast. We mentioned there were five additions to the 40-man roster, um, including left-handed pitcher Kyle Bird, who joins us now. Kyle, first of all, congratulations. Um, as a guy who was a, a 35th-round pick uh, four years ago, I, I would assume this has to be especially gratifying right at the holidays. Well, thank you, Neil. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yes, it definitely is. I mean, I've always, I've always looked at it as a clean start ever since I got into pro ball, but to to uh, get the call yesterday, be protected, it definitely made me feel feel really uh, gratifying, especially being drafted so late and working my way up. Can you walk us through that phone call? Who called you? And, uh, I mean, what was the first thought uh, feeling when you got the news? Uh, I was I was uh, sitting down um, with my wife and her family, and we were about to actually about to eat dinner. And I saw my phone ring, and I saw it was Jeff McLaren calling me. And I kind of had a feeling that it was it was uh, this was the reason for the call. So I picked it up, and you know Jeff called me, asked how I was doing, and uh, I actually just got home from Mexico the night before. So we talked a little bit about that, my time over there, and then. He told me that I was going to be protected and put on the 40-man roster, and I just was kind of lost for words. I didn't really know what to do. I was—I didn't really know what to say. I was just so so happy and so thankful. And he uh, kind of explained to me what the steps were going forward, and uh, said he had a couple other guys he had to call, and I was just once again very thankful for it. And, 
Yeah, I celebrated after that. Certainly uh, well-deserved. Um, you know, you mentioned you went to Mexico. So obviously you didn't know whether you'd be added to the 40-man, not added to the 40-man. Um, I would imagine going to Mexico was going to help your stock potentially, but also um, financially. I mean, people forget if you're not on the 40-man, you're certainly not making a ton of money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was those were definitely reasons I went over there. And, you know, I, I just had a daughter in May, and I needed a way to make some make some more money so going to mexico was great i had an awesome time and an awesome experience over there and um i flew home i was actually supposed to stay an extra four days through thanksgiving and the guy that um i guess scouted me to go over there just told me to come home so i don't know if he i don't know if he knew something i didn't or not but he just he made it very clear to go home on the 19th were you suspicious at that point or no? Not really. I mean, I I didn't want to think about it too much. I didn't want it to kind of consume the whole day for me. I just, you know, I went through it last year, and I just kind of, after last year, I, was, I felt like I was so consumed by it and so worried about it, whereas this year I was just kind of telling myself if it happens, it happens. If not, you still, still have a chance to reach your dream and reach your goal, so... Just if it happens, that's awesome. If not, you just continue to go into the off season and put in the work that you're planning to do already. You mentioned being a dad, um, and that happened what during the season. How much did that help you mentally? Uh, some guys, it helps them a great deal because they're not consumed, as you mentioned, by baseball. Their focus when they leave the field is on their family, 100. percent Yeah, definitely. I think I think that was the biggest thing for me is. I've never really taken baseball home with me, but I think having her at the house and having such a big responsibility when I got home and something that can make you so happy as well kind of definitely helped take my mind off of baseball a lot more when I went home. And it kind of gave me a little something extra to work for, a little more, a little more, uh, a little more of a push to push myself a little harder and work a little bit harder at my craft. And in terms of your craft itself, obviously you put up great numbers this year, um, and you threw a lot of innings too. Where were some of the areas that you grew as a pitcher? I think mentally, really. I think uh, have being up in Durham and being with Nappy, he really showed me. He really made me believe in you know the the stuff that I had, and it was more of just a mental game up there. It was you know making sure I can control my emotions a lot better which I feel like I accomplished a lot, which I think was the biggest thing I accomplished, honestly. And um, As far as learning the game, learning hitters better, and just learning how to use my pitches versus trying to figure out how to, how to I guess, use my strength versus trying to find a hitter's weakness, I guess you could say. Certainly makes a lot of sense. You you also pitched in a number of roles. I mean, I think looking at box scores, you pitched situationally. You opened, you closed. How were you able to handle that so well, and how do you think that serves you, especially in this organization? Uh, as far as the opener goes, I remember the first time I did it was in Double A, and I tried it out, and I tried to go through a starter's routine and everything like that, and it ended up being a terrible outing for me. And, I was. I kind of looked back on it when I got up to Triple A. They asked me to do it again, and I said, "I'm just going to stick to the normal routine that I do on a normal day." And 
I told Mappy about it. He said that's exactly the way you should go about it. And I just, I feel like just making it more comfortable for me as far as going through an opener as a reliever instead of trying to be a starter, which I'm really not, kind of helped me out with that. And as far as, you know, other roles coming in, I think I remember closing out one game, which I've done in the past, so I kind of felt comfortable with that. And then coming in to face a lefty, which I feel like I still need to improve on quite a bit. But, I've, you know, those other two roles I've been through a lot in my career early on. And the opener was definitely a new experience for me, but I definitely enjoyed going through it this year. And with the race, with that being such a big part of the race success this year, I just feel like it was a good good first step and in introduction for me. And, and as a guy who was part of a championship team this year, um, how much does that experience do you think help? I mean, so many guys talk about the importance of learning how to win before they get to the big leagues. Yeah, I think... You know, I was in the being in the playoffs with Montgomery two years before this past year, uh, and not winning. You know, it was tough. And I I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's just when we got I know with Durham when we got to the championship series, finding out we were going to be in Scranton all five days and everything like that. It was it seemed like nothing really phased us. It's kind of like the feeling in the clubhouse is almost like we know we're going to win this. It's just a matter of how many games is it going to take. I just feel like we, as a team, we just had that confidence throughout the entire playoffs and going into that final series against Scranton. It didn't really matter what the conditions were, what we had to do. We just always knew we were going to win. Well, certainly uh, it was a, a very, it's been a very good year for, for, uh, Durham, it's been a very good year for you. Congratulations again on making the 40-man. Enjoy the Thanksgiving with the family. Hopefully it makes the turkey and the stuffing and everything else taste that much better. Thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate it. I hope you have a very good Thanksgiving as well. And we certainly appreciate Kyle Burt and Eric Neander being with us on our podcast. Continue to follow raiseradio.moblogs.com. Our Twitter handles, too. Enjoy your holidays. We'll talk to you soon.